0: We have seen incredible things today. It's a reaction of, of the people who were gathered around Jesus. As we can see, he's at home. There are many people who are there. The Pharisees, the scribes, and many, many people, so much so that when these four men came and brought this, this fellow on the stretcher who was paralyzed, they couldn't get in. And we can see that when there are crowds and there are special gatherings, there's no way you can get in into a particular building, especially. So it was not possible for them. But I have to say this, this story always has moved my heart because of the resourcefulness of those who wish to receive grace and healing, the resourcefulness. They couldn't get in. What did they come up with a crazy idea but you have to know that the homes, you know, in the Middle East, in any place where you have a sort of mountainous region, you know that some homes are lower, some are higher, and so you can kind of see the roofs of of the homes. This is how I imagine the place to be a little bit, you know, on a, an uneven place, and so they remove the tiles, the tiles, you know, which, you know, um, if you know even in Europe today. These two would be quite simple to remove tiles because they were placed there were tiles that were placed on 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 wood wooden two by fours, and you could just remove them very easily and you could replace them again. But the idea of lowering someone right in the midst in front of Jesus was a brilliant idea. Can you imagine people what are these guys doing there at first uh, you know maybe somebody was shouting at them you know said, "What are you doing? you're crazy or something you know just being realistic what takes place, and they probably had a hard time trying to explain themselves. There was probably some shouting there going on too. Maybe the owner of the house was quite quite upset with what's going on, but nothing would deter them. Nothing would deter them. They loved this guy out of love for him, which means his friends or were they relatives? We do not know who they were, but they were so determined that he needs healing so that he would do everything. And I think for us today, if we were to look, what do our own family members or friends need, and how much would we be able to stretch? Would we drive somebody? Like I know there's a lady who wanted to receive grace here at the shrine. She could not drive. And so she was asking her friends, can you come up? And some of them said, you know, I'm sorry I can't do it, but there's one that did. You know, she didn't have too much time, but she was able to do that. Why? Because that person wanted to receive, went to go to confession, ask for graces, prayers. But she received those graces, we do not know. I only know that she said, I'm here because my friend so-and-so drove me here, and I really wanted to be here, even those two-and-a-half hours of driving time but it was something like that. But I can see what the Lord is asking us today, to be persevering in good, to strive to do the good that is in front of us. Strive to we, we try to stretch ourselves for someone else and out of love that we may be able to accommodate, to bring forth or pray for them or pray for their healing. And it's an intercessory type of prayer activity whether it's actual, you know, like bringing someone to a church or to a shrine or wherever, or just like those four that brought this, this fellow for the sake of healing that they were able to accomplish. The second aspect of this story is what Jesus can do, what the Lord can do. They believed that he could heal him. They believed. They believed that he will be able to do so but what the lord did today is not that only he gave the healing because he could have said to them do you believe he read in you you take the roof apart and lower somebody down that's a that's a big faith right there it doesn't have to be even you know addressed or questioned or, or asked but what the lord did is he said your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven how many times people would tell me they receive a grace after they went to confession? As a matter of fact, any form of exorcism which are done, any form of this, always requires that we acknowledge our sins as a, as a, as a preparation for receiving a grace, which means we have to turn to God and seek reconciliation, to ask the Lord for his mercy, forgiveness, go to the sacrament of penance, to receive the extraordinary graces from the Lord, because that's the way we open ourselves up for the grace to heal, for the grace of healing. But then what Jesus says, he wanted to take this opportunity not only to heal the paralytic, but he also wanted to address a very important element. Is not that he has the power to heal because some people do have and receive this grace, but that he has power to forgive sins. And so he says, so that you may believe that I have the power to forgive sins, because they said only God can forgive sins. No human beings can. But if the, so that you'll know that I have the power to forgive sins, he says, he turns to paralytic. Stand up. Pick up your stretcher and and go. And so the paralytic immediately, he picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And then the astonishment seized them all and glorified God. And they said, we have seen great things. We have seen today great things. I have been witness to miracles. I have been witness or have seen or have been close to people who have received miracles which have been approved by the Holy See for granting of, of um, uh, the individuals being beatified or even canonized. I have also seen the people who would witness to me what they did. And it's always like this. They accept the Father's will. They thank him for whatever ailments or difficulties they have. And yet they say if it is if it is your will that i may receive this grace which means relying on god whose god whose love is so great that we cannot grasp and yet we also wish to know what is his will because his will is our greatest happiness his will is always our salvation his will is that we will share the glory in heaven, we may not know the, all the details in our life, but we place our confidence in him, just as Jesus placed his confidence in the Father. Father, if it is your will, that this you know, suffering be taken away from me. Always relying on the Father's will, because the Father's will is born and is or, or, or is, or, or originates in that love that he has for us, absolute love, love that we can never fully comprehend until one day we shall share the life of glory. But one more element here from from the gospel itself, which has been given to us, and that is when the Lord says, sins will be forgiven and the manifestation and the visible manifestation is, is the miracle that he performs right in front of their eyes. We have today the same in his name, because Jesus, after a resurrection, when he said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven them. That means that means the, the Lord gave the authority to his apostles to forgive sins in his name. And so today that that authority is given, and that authority is exercised by those who are, you know, the, the bishops of today, the apostles of today, the bishops, and, and, and the authority that is given to those whom the bishop bishops uh, offer to, and that is priests. This is the authority that God gives. It is based on faith, because we have to say that who Jesus was, the Son of God, who rose from the dead, and he's the one who gave us this authority. He also has given us the authority that we pronounce these words over bread and wine, and they become the body and blood of Christ. And we know it is true because it, again, is based on Jesus who promised. And we believe that what he says is not only true, but is completely effective. Just like today in that first reading, what do we have? We have the vision of of Isaiah, we have the messianic vision of what will take place, that Messiah will have the power over nature, that he will have power over deserts, they he will have power over nature, and the reality will take place, but even more so, that he has the power over the desert of our own hearts, because we can be very dry in our prayer, we can experience all kinds of trials, of, or, or, or perhaps even indifference. The Lord can transform the desert of our hearts into a beautiful, luscious gardens. This is like what we read today in that first reading from Isaiah. And and so at the steppe and the desert of the, the parch land will exalt. And there will be splendor. There will be beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, and luscious plants growing there. But he does say there's Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Which means strengthen the feeble, the hands, because we need that gift of his grace. We need to receive their grace and welcome their grace because it can strengthen us. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong and fear not. How many people are frightened today? Worried about things? How many people... are are fearful of their future, of security, whatever it may be. And the Lord says to us, you know, and proclaim, he speaks to Isaiah, you say to those who are frightened, which means prophetic voice of the church. As we read scripture, this is the prophetic voice. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with your vindication. With divine recompense, he comes to you. And then, when the Lord comes, then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Miracles take place when God enters us and transforms our desert, the soul that's filled with dryness. And we, when we ask him, he says, come, come into my heart come into my heart and transform me, transform my lack of faith or poor or diminished faith, transform my, my, my own fears and worries into your grace. And that's when reality will take place. And so that's when streams will burst in the desert and rivers in the steppe, streams of love, streams of knowledge, streams of consolation, all those will be given to us when we welcome the Lord. And that, and that burning sands will become pools and thirsty grounds, springs of water. And the highway, the path by which we go, will be safe. There will be no more. It will be a holy way, the path to come and enter the, the very presence of God. It will be given to us today, a saint that we honor a sort of different way, you know, we speak of him in Santa Claus, but he was a real saint. Saint Nicholas lived in fourth century. He was someone who, a major biography was written by Saint Methodius 500 years, uh, you know, after he died. But, but he wrote many things about him. And, and the things is this, first of all, he was a young man, quite well-to-do, but his parents died early, so he left with resources. And what happens to him then is that um, he, he is a man of God. He's a believer. He begins to use his resources to help others, you know, to, to help as, you know, as, as anyone who loved the Lord. Then he is chosen by the people of Myra to be their bishop. He was a well man, well, wonderful man, man of faith. Ultimately, he be, he's ordained. And their troubles start right away because this is a time of Roman persecution and and uh so so he's persecuted, he is tortured, ends up in prison. But then ultimately what happens is Constantine, as you know, becomes the 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 the, the, the emperor of Rome and he embraces Christianity. Uh, his mother led him to Christian faith, and then he releases all the prisoners or religious prisoners, so to speak. And so Nicholas is released. And then we hear of many, much of his activities. First of all, he's well known, not only to help the poor, but in particular, there was a very poor man who did not, his wife died. And he was responsible for his three daughters. And he was so afraid that there was, the diary was was very important, diary and and he had nothing. And he was afraid that his daughters may end up living um, life, trying to get money from people who would otherwise be a, um, you know, being prostitutes. He was so afraid. And so the bishop found out about him and his fears and worries. And so he was the one bishop at night. The windows are open because it's hot. He threw a bag of, of coins, a couple of gold coins to, for the dowry of the first one. And he wrote, this is for the dowry. And she was, he got married very quickly for the money. Uh, but, but the fact is he did this with the second daughter, the same thing. And so the father was sort of keeping an eye. Who is it was giving it? And ultimately, at the third daughter, daughter, which was months later, uh, he caught him giving that little bag with the instructions what he should do. And and he was so moved by by the kindness of this of this man. But he was also known to take care of children as well. And so this is why today we We considered him to be someone who brings gifts to the children at any rate, December sixth, if you live in the eastern part of the world is today is the time that children receive gifts from from St. Nicholas, but in the Western church, we kind of combine. For example, in my own country, uh, in Poland, children receive gifts on December 6th, on St. Nicholas Day, and then they receive gifts from from the Lord on Christmas Day. So if you live in Eastern part of the world, Eastern Europe or there, you receive twice. So so the children of, of, our, of our country, perhaps they should demand to celebrate Nicholas Day on December 6th, and so they can get a little extras. But anyway, so December 6th is because we honor him, who he was. He was a participant also in Council of Nicaea, which is 325, as you know, read, and this is where the, the church declared, you know, the, the truth again was anti, Arianism, Arian, you know, who considered Christ to be so lower than the father. And, and uh, so he was a participant in a council. There's also, he was known, very well known to be a man who seek justice, social justice as well. The three officers who were accused of, of something which is wrong and he interceded for them, their lives were saved. There are also children who also were in difficult situations where he interceded. He, he was, he was known for, for this type of activity. And there are a lot of legends that grew up. And of course, when um, when the uh, Dutch uh, colonists came, Dutch settlers who came, they brought with him the tradition of Saint. Uh, it was a Saint uh, Klaus, you know, the little shorter version, and he came, ultimately came to be Saint Nicholas. And the whole tradition of Saint Nicholas grew here, not exactly following the you know, the whole biography of Saint Nicholas, however, the, the most important elements of sharing and giving and being generous and taking care continue to be there. Maybe then today as we continue with the sacred liturgy, where the Lord wants to tell us that He is the one. Oh God, as we said in Alleluia, behold the king will come the Lord of the earth, and he himself will lift up the injustices. He will lift up the sinfulness. He'll lift up everything which binds us, that he will free us. But we ourselves have to turn to him and seek him, seek reconciliation, seek seek his power, seek his grace, because the Lord, what he says is true. His word is effective. And that which he promises, he always delivers. Because he wants us to be with him in heaven.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.